Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to a very special episode of We Watch Shudder. My name is Michelle, and who is here with me? Motherfucking Leatherface! Oh, no, sorry, it's JD. Oh, no. I was probably real aggressive for people who are tuning in for the very first time, maybe, on this show. Sorry, uh, it's JD. I'm a little excited. Um, well, you'll understand why in a minute. If you're tuning into a horror podcast and that's uh, too frightening for you, oh, man, you're in for some real spooky times with us. <laughs> that's fair. They're like, the guy got kind of loud and aggressive, and we can't handle it. He just screamed motherfucking Leatherface. Yeah, yep. sure that's a uh, that's not the energy we have all the time, but it is oh. sometimes the energy we have sometimes on very special episodes. If you have listened to our show for a while, hi, welcome back. Why are you still here? Why do you still listen to us? Hey, that's a bad choice. I'm kidding. That's a bad Thank question. You for sticking around. <laughs> Don't make them. Ask. They probably just haven't stopped to consider it themselves. Don't put it in their brains, Michelle. It's just become a habit. They're gonna break it. Knock <laughs> it off. Okay, I mean, plays. ignore ignore everything I just said. <laughs> this is your favorite <laughs> podcast. You're in your happy place. Hello. Um, usually we would review uh, exclusive and original releases that come out on Shudder, the horror mm -hmm. and horror adjacent streaming platform. However, there was no original or exclusive release today. So we thought, hmm, what kind of movie could we possibly review that's available on Shudder? JD, what movie do we land on today? to review well, today yeah so as you said we've done mostly exclusives and originals here and then we just started to think well what kind of variety can we add to the show uh what can we do to maybe be something different here and the one thing we had never ever done uh was just go back and review uh, uh, you know, because we've done a couple of special bonus episodes, we've done a couple with movies that are not on Shutter, a couple of things like that. Uh, but one thing we have never done is gone and done a full deep dive uh, into any legendary horror classics, and that's what we decided to do this week. Uh, and the fortunate thing is, the good people at Shutter uh, own the rights to stream. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. First of all, the greatest title in the history of cinema of any kind of movie, I don't care, horror movie, romance, comedy, I don't care what it is, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre is the greatest title in the history of titles. That's what we're talking about today. Yeah. 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 I, I don't have like a better introduction for it. I do think that just for the sake of the silliness, we should still follow the format of our Absolutely. usual episodes, Absolutely. especially if this is their first time. Now they, they get used to uh, what we do here. So maybe you haven't seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Maybe you're like 1974. That was a terrible year for All movies. Right, stop and right to there. be fair, you're right. Stop okay, right what? there. <laughs> If you have never seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I want you to stop listening to this episode. I want you to never listen to the rest of it or ever listen to another episode we ever do until you see the fucking movie. It's only 83 minutes of your life, guys. It is foundational, legendary horror if I am going to take you seriously whatsoever as a horror fan, you have to see this movie. Okay, I'm sorry, Michelle. Go ahead. Wow. 
aggressive again. You've scared them all off. The few people who are still around <laughs> Can you tell I are fucking people love this movie. <laughs> they are people who uh, ha- are not startled by you yelling at them, and they have seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So I think if you've made it to this point, you're a pretty cool person. Thanks. We're for glad to have out. you. Thanks for being here. Yes, Don't need those so. posers anyway. <laughs> I watched. <laughs> be- I, I watched. About four days ago, I also watched this documentary film about San Francisco Bay Area thrash metal scene in the 1980s, and they were all about just kicking poser ass. So I, I, got, I got a bit of an attitude on. I watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre three times in the last week <laughs> in preparation for this. I'm excited. You are the tofu of podcast hosts in that tofu, whenever added to a dish, will pick up the flavors of whatever it is cooked with. Whatever you have recently engaged with is what the energy of your episodes will be Look, like. Michelle, I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but that's a hell of a fucking metaphor because the interesting thing about that is uh, for my, literally my entire life, uh, I do uh, in, a, in a way have a tendency Uh, to pick up and get caught up in the interests of other people that I spend a lot of time with. Uh, I spent three years following Chicago Cubs baseball because I had a roommate slash cousin who's a big fan of Chicago Cubs baseball. I got real obsessed with Ford Mustang cars for a while because I had a roommate, Chalker, who was a big fan of Ford Mustang cars. That is crazy. Uh, that you put that together. I don't mean to derail this Texas Chainsaw Massacre fiasco, uh, but that's a. I'm gonna have to write that down and use that. I am, <laughs> I am human. I'm, I, I'm personality tofu. I don't know if it's. I don't know. It's maybe not the most complimentary thing in the world, but it's an accurate explanation, and I'm going with it. Also, like tofu, you mess with women's estrogen levels. That's the true thing about tofu. I have no idea how it applies to you. Anyway, Texas I don't either. That's, that's, I wasn't even <laughs> questioning the tofu side of things. I was just like, wait, what? How? Yeah. No, I, a, I have, a here's one fact. thing I'm absolutely certain of. Oh, no. You said you didn't want to derail. Okay, tofu. Here's one yes. thing I am absolutely certain of. <laughs> I have never once in my entire life had any impact whatsoever on any woman's estrogen levels. <laughs> <laughs> That's a scientific study that I will pay to to back. I'm curious how that works. Is JD actually tofu? Okay. Anyway, thank you so much to those of you who are tuning in for the first time. Every week I feel like we make a new therapeutic breakdown with JD and that was that was this week's he is tofu. Uh the whole so- reason we actually started this anyway is to just start finally getting at JD's issues. What's really going yep. on in my head? Turns I out am secretly a psychologist. Hilarious it, it is my my persona. So the uh, Texas so usually, Chainsaw Massacre, yes, Michelle. <laughs> I'm trying so hard. I'm sorry. Okay, it's okay. It's okay. You got way more excited about tofu than you did about chainsaws, and that's just, just wrong. A, so let's get back on you track. Possi- you just you couldn't possibly <laughs> know this, but like that is a thing that I have known about myself for a long time and have tried to explain to people, and that is just. A brilliant metaphor that I never considered because I'm not a tofu eating kind of guy. You know, it's not that I have anything against it. I've tried it a couple times. It's not my vibe, uh, which is weird. Be- and maybe I don't like to eat tofu because it feels a little too much like cannibalism. I don't know. 
Going forward, anytime I mean to say the word Texas in this episode, I will be replacing it with the word tofu. The tofu chainsaw massacre. The tofu chainsaw massacre. (laughs) Usually, we would pick a uh, the description to read off the Shutter website, but frankly, the Shutter website is way too spoilery. It might have some spoilers in it. Also, we're going to go with the IMDb one. Yeah, the description of the movie on on Shutter also is more like a. Like a retrospective description about how it's like an updated, oh, yeah. restored version and such with like like digital uh, sharpening and things. Uh, but yeah, so uh, the one on IMDb is uh, shockingly spoiler free. So Michelle, what does it say? Five friends head out to rural Tofu to visit the grave of a grandfather. On the way, they stumble across what appears to be a deserted house, only to discover something sinister within. Something armed with a chainsaw. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 1974. Yeah, the one thing thing I do take issue with in that description (laughs) is they absolutely do not come across what they think is a deserted house. They specifically go to the house... Because they're hoping it's not deserted, but that's uh, we'll get into that in a minute. You were about to ask me a question, Michelle. I was. I was going to ask if you'd like to give us your spoiler-free thoughts. And yeah, here's my spoiler-free thoughts. This is one of the greatest fucking horror movies of all time. You get me on the right day, I will tell you it is the best horror movie of all time. Ten Skulls. Awesome. Ten skulls out of 20 for JD. No, ten skulls, <laughs> ten out, skulls of out of five. I know. I ten know. skulls it's, it's out of five, Michelle. Movies. Um, my spoiler-free thoughts. <laughs> uh, Leatherface is kind of a weird guy. I don't know if I can relate to him. The music's a little too jarring. I don't know. I'm gonna go with three skulls out of five. No, I'm kidding. It's a five skull. It's a five you. skull movie <laughs> <laughs> with a chainsaw. Uh, okay, so five skulls from both of us. Wow, it's a double yeah. five skull movie. Nobody Who saw that guessed? coming with the Texas. We are predictable, guys. Well, it's it's not something we said. ever openly discussed, but I can guarantee you this: if I was aware and thank, I, I I knew it was not the case. But if Michelle had never seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, and I knew that Michelle had never seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I never would have fucking asked her to do this podcast. So, <laughs> like, I, uh, <laughs> this movie is, uh, yeah, five skulls off both of us. Um, okay, so now... Spoiler understand territory. How, the, oh, surprise, we love this movie. Uh, if you want to go see it before we discuss spoilers now is when you're going to want to push the pause button. Um, okay. Did you come back? I hope you came back Michelle, I think the smart way to do this is Mm -hmm. to let you go for a little while. Uh, and then we'll (laughs) see what happens. I'm going to turn this microphone off even. (laughs) Because I might, frankly, need to pick up the dog here in a minute. <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. Uh, we know that this is probably going to be a long episode, but we also have a long history of saying this is going to be a short one and then it's an hour. We're saying this is going to be a long episode and then we run out of things to talk about after 10 minutes. But we did spend about 10 minutes on tofu, so we might go long on this one. Um, a couple just quick notes. Oh, first off, if this was a usual episode, I would do a breakdown of the plot of the movie. So I'm just going to do that really quick a van full of people uh they're driving down the road and they pick up a hitchhiker and the hitchhiker he's a crazy dude he cuts his hand open they kick him out he splays uh 
uh, uh, flaps his blood all across the van and then everybody's like whoa and then they go check out the house that they grew up in and then they find a house that might have gasoline and their van ran out of gasoline so then they're going to go in the house but then oh my god Leatherface Leatherface is a guy who wears literal Leatherface he has many different human faces which he wears he's basically Ed Gein with a chainsaw and so he starts doing his thing and chainsawing and hooking people all over the place and then uh, you know it's a massacre it's a chainsaw massacre but one girl lives at the end and her screaming on the the truck bed is like one of my favorite uh shots of a movie of all time was that a very good summary that was uh, a very uh a very brief uh and uh and rudimentary summary i think it does get the general point across you know yeah a bunch of bunch of young folks uh just kind of going on a casual summer trip uh, just knock on the wrong door on the wrong day and fucking welcome to hell guys welcome yeah. to fucking hell <laughs> uh Okay, okay. So, couple thoughts up front. First off, uh, we did watch a couple documentaries to prepare for this. JD said that he knew everything about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I did not know much outside of what I had seen on the actual movie itself. I had not seen background footage, anything like that. I had just enjoyed the movie and I had watched it. So, we did watch uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, A Family Portrait, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Shocking Truth. Both of those were very interesting. I I think at least one of them is on Tubi. The other one might be on Tubi, but is on a streaming service somewhere. Right. Do you know? Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure maybe both on Tubi or maybe one of them's on YouTube. Yeah, I don't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, um, but free free out there. Totally free. Go check them out if you're interested in more. Yeah, uh, if, one you of them know, mentioned... uh, if you don't know a lot about the, uh, the background, the making of, yeah, they're both really... I, I'm particularly fond of... Uh, uh, the first one, a family portrait. Uh, I really, really enjoyed that. There's a lot of great insights in that. Yes. So, um, a couple things. Just an offhanded comment that the shocking truth drew parallels between this movie and the last house on the left, which I apparently had never seen. So you, I got to oh, also man. experience that. Yeah, so I had I had it mixed up with uh, I spit on I spit your on your grave. grave. Yep. That's yep. understandable. Because they're very, they're, they're very similar. Yep. So I had never seen it. So this week I got to so watch you have, Texas Chainsaw it, Massacre and you. Oh, so you also just saw The Last House on the Left for the first time. Yes. I watched oh, it last man. week. Yeah. That movie yeah. is, it, it goes hand in hand with this one very well. Yeah. Uh, also, mm-hmm. uh, did you happen to catch that uh, The Last House on the Left uh, was directed by Wes Craven and produced by Sean Cunningham? Uh, uh, who made Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th? Yes, because that was told to me in the documentary. And then I went, I apparently have never seen this movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, Last House on the Left uh, is also, it's one of these movies uh, that happened in a wave uh, in the the 1970s. And maybe even if we start with Night of the Living Dead, uh, in uh, oh, 68, maybe 67, people are hating me now because I like, know I don't know for certain what year. Anyway, you also uh, said I could talk for like a half hour, but no, continue. <laughs> this, uh, just this, this <laughs> more realism and and gritty, like and and extreme, like a lot of horror stuff prior to this had been very arch, very gothic, very you know vampires with big capes and things and it's just 
vile, as gritty and and. Ugh. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You were talking. Leatherface could use a cape. I'm just saying, if they had kept that <laughs> style of movie and Leatherface had a cape, I feel like it would fit him leather very cape. well as just a leather cape. Uh, he he's the kind of person who would really enjoy having a cape, I believe. Um, but yeah, so just off a comment that I had never seen that. Um, two. No, three really big things that I want to talk about. Uh, first off, Gunnar Hansen yeah. played Leatherface. And maybe you know this, but I uh, I have questions. Because the first documentary that I watched was the one that you prefer, which is uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, A Family Portrait. Um, and it actually made me pretty sad. Because at the end of that, he talks about how he doesn't want to be known as Leatherface after he died and how he didn't want that to be his legacy. And he's made way better things and how that would be so sad. And then you go to his IMDb page and it says nicknames Leatherface and everything on his page is Leatherface. And he has passed away now. I think it was from cancer. If I'm remembering what I'd seen it says salary for this movie was only $800. And I spent a while trying to find anything that indicated that he didn't feel that way anymore. And I didn't find it. And I hope that over time, because the family portrait was not too far after Texas Chainsaw Massacre, at least not to the extent that we're at, where it's like 50 years, which is a lot. Um, but I didn't find anything that he recanted it. And I just, I hope he grew and that he did enjoy knowing that people view him as a horror icon. And I just needed to know if you had found that because it made me very 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 sad uh no i've i've never uh read anything uh about that specifically uh i think you can tell also uh even though a lot of people don't just outright say it directly uh especially when you learn a little bit uh about the ultimate uh business and and profit fate uh of the film uh and how a lot of people on that side of things uh, got significantly screwed out of a lot of stuff because ultimately the movie was basically distributed by the mafia, right? It was a, it was a mafia front company uh, that was getting into exploitation films uh, and uh, all their books were cooked and uh, the people who were getting percentages didn't know that what they were actually getting was a percentage of a percentage to begin with. Uh, and so there were a lot of, I think, hard feelings uh, about that that probably fed into that situation because uh, he, he also mentions in those documentaries that uh, uh, he was approached several times uh, about coming back to play the character again uh, and he said he did say that he was all it's like every time they asked him he was open to it but they never wanted to acknowledge the significance of that character and its value and he was always given just these paltry, like, bare minimum scale offers, right? No no respect for... Because I'm sure a lot of the people who are ultimately producing these other sequels later on in the franchise maybe did fully understand. They, they probably thought, oh, this is... We could just get anybody to play this character. And no, you can't. Like, he, there, there's so much that he does with Leatherface in that first film. I think... Uh, I think it's a, a legitimate performance as an actor that doesn't get as much credit as it deserves. And so, yeah, I, th I think there's just a lot of maybe unfortunate things that came in the wake of this performance that just 
kind of, not just for for Gunnar Hansen, but for a lot of people. Daniel Pearl uh, is is uh, is one of them. Seems like maybe Paul A. Partain, uh, who played Franklin, uh, is one of them. And and yeah, that's really unfortunate uh, because this is ultimately in film history. Uh, the kind of film where every single person involved with it should be able to look back and say, shit, I mean, we just were a bunch of dummies, went out to make a movie in the summer in Texas, and we changed the course of film history. Like, it's the kind of thing that everyone involved should be able to be very proud of, uh, and there are a lot of things that happened that made that not possible. Uh, And yeah, that is real unfortunate, because it is a landmark film and they should be able to be proud of that. Watching this with a more analytical viewpoint this time, because I knew that we would be talking about on the podcast. It wasn't just me watching the movie because, you know, I felt like watching it. Um, Let's say theoretically somebody didn't like horror movies, obviously not the people listening to this point, but maybe, maybe you hate horror movies. Um, As we all know, horror is often looked down upon as a lesser art form in the film industry. If you watch the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, let's say you took out all the violent bits and you just had the parts where they're acting the hitchhiker in the van is a phenomenal performance first off it is over the top to the point of being comical as intended but something that really struck me was when he cut his hand and he's laughing and then he realizes nobody else is laughing with him and there's this moment of distress and the way he goes between those two emotions and then goes back to it and then he has an outburst all of that is a stunning display of a large range of emotions that is a great great scene so let's say you took it out of a horror movie you could study that as as a a form of acting it is so good Mm -hmm. and uh leather face i mean his face is covered by leather uh by other people's faces so it's entirely reliant on body language and in a way dialogue even though he isn't much of a talker but it's towns and things and that is hard to do and he manages to still convey a lot and convey this fear and this excitement and this confusion and he does all of these things he's not just a guy running around with a chainsaw being menacing he he has a lot of personality to him yeah and that's why it makes me so sad that Gunnar Hansen didn't feel like it was something worth being recognized but I also think maybe with the the building of the internet he was able to connect more with people who loved him and recognized what he did even if he didn't get that from the original production sure sure I I certainly hope so as well Uh, I think with Leatherface you can you can watch this develop and this is a thing that you're absolutely right a lot of people will never be able to look at this and see the nuances in the performance Uh, because a lot of the stuff that happens here is deliberately very arch, but that's all part of the process of the film. This is a very early example, at least in my mind, uh, where the goal of the film was, in a metaphorical sense, to just pummel you into submission. Uh, The movie is so loud and random and bizarre, uh, all of that. Uh, but uh, I think you can follow the progression of, of the emotions of Leatherface uh, from kill to kill to kill. You have the first kill, uh, which was uh, 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 Kirk, uh, walks into that that beautiful, literal, like, doorway to hell design where it's 
that red wall with all the skulls all over it. Uh, and it's almost like he's surprised. Like, Leatherface is as surprised as Kirk is. And his reaction in that moment is just, fuck, swing the hammer, right? And he clubs him uh, and just goes on instinct and pulls him in. There's that moment where he slams the door shut uh, and there's that music. It's not even a sting of music because it doesn't hit to begin with. It's like a very, almost like a very quick fade in where we're still allowing the slamming of the door to be the hit. And then like this weird almost i'm not sure if it was a synthesizer sound or what but just this low thrumming sound that sort of echoes and resonates after it a perfect example of what like this movie is remembered a lot obviously for its visual elements but it's it's audio elements are great too um getting sidetracked a little bit so we've got the surprise of leatherface there then he kills uh, 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 Pam, and that's more like, that's like the bloodlust leather face, right? That's like, a, oh no, you know something's happening here and you cannot get away bloodlust leather face. And then we get to when Jerry shows up later in the day and he also kills Jerry and you have that scene where he storms off out to the window and yanks the curtains open and he sits down and now there's that look of, of almost fear in his face like fuck they just keep coming and now there's three of them and they're dead and i'm in so much trouble like like it's such a you get so much from gunner hansen's just his eyes and his mouth in that close-up shot that makes it so clear that like even though this is this monstrous relentless creature uh there's also a part of that that is rooted in his own terror uh, because I think it's it's pretty clear that Leatherface is is intended to be uh, uh, mentally uh, challenged in in certain ways, right? You know, he's is that sort of part of his his characterization. Uh, and I just I feel like there is so like Gunnar Hansen was so great in this movie. Michelle is so great. <laughs> he absolutely was. Um, there are two things that you just touched on, both of which are high on my list to talk about. Let's do do we want to talk about sound design or the hook first? Let's talk about the hook and then because I'm going to spend some time okay. on the sound as well. Uh, okay. But yeah, what do you want to say about the hook, Michelle? Um, I mean, the the way that they covered it in the documentary is exactly how I remembered it, how they said everybody remembers it this way, but that's not how it is. Right. And uh, how everybody <laughs> how everybody remembers it is that uh, she gets hung up on a meat hook and then there's blood everywhere. And it's this horrible, grotesque scene. And that's not what it is at all. That it's, scene is you don't completely even bloodless. Her. Yes. You don't even see her. You see her getting like thwumped on onto it you see her reaction to being on the hook you see the um i think it's metal rod or yeah. whatever uh, no behind her so it's all very very heavily implied and your brain fills it, it in does everything and i for you. oh that is the perfect um thing that i wish people would utilize more in horror because i feel like we watch a lot of movies where they reveal too much and that ruins it they show us the monster in full bright light and it does not live up to what our expectations of that monster or that creature was supposed to be yeah. i wish the horror was more implied because that's what my brain always tries to fill in the gaps um for example paranormal activity 2 yes. uh the part where she gets drugged 
drug into the basement and you're just watching time pass very quickly, it's never explained what happens down there. But that's the part that my brain still years later is fixated on. Uh -huh. What was it like down there? What was she doing? It's it's when you don't see what's happening or alien movies are high on my list and they don't show you everything. They show you snippets of what's going on and it lets your mind wander. And I feel like a lot of movies in the style of Texas Chainsaw Massacre think that what you want to see is the blood and it's not true. We we are much better off a lot of the time just imagining what is going on in that moment and letting our brain go to the worst extents. Sure. Uh, I, the one thing I will say is uh, I do think... Uh, I think definitely sometimes, yeah, what I want to see is the blood and the guts, right? Like, that's definitely oh, course, what I want to see sometimes. Uh, but honestly, that's not always the kind of thing I want to see uh, when I want to be fucking terrified. Uh, and that's mm -hmm. the thing is, like, you, you talk about those moments. People still, to this day, remember this movie as so much bloodier, so much more violent, so much more gory than it actually is. And when you really break it down, how much blood is there in this? So the hitchhiker cuts his hand and also cuts Franklin's arm, and there's a little bit of blood there. Um, you have when Kurt gets hit with the hammer, there's a little bit of blood on his head and his body from where he got hit by the hammer going into, into his convulsions and everything. Uh, there's ab the only blood you see when Pam goes onto the hook is there are some uh, uh, obvious like stains of old blood spatters on the wall behind her, but that's all just part of the design of that kitchen set. It's the whole place is just uh, also something I want to mention while we're here. I think something people maybe forget is not only is she hanging from that hook. But then Leatherface just, like, makes her watch him chainsaw her boyfriend's head off. And again, all implied. None of it ever actually happens on screen. There are no special effects. And it's still... I've seen this movie at least a dozen times. It's still more atmospherically effective than just about anything I've ever seen. This movie still rattles me. Because of that th that aspect, it, it forces you, uh, it takes you, it uses what extremes it can go to to push you in that direction, and then it's just, you fly off the handle. It's, uh, <laughs> it's wild. Uh, but yeah, that scene is completely bloodless. I do think maybe, I was thinking about this, I think maybe... In a psychological sense, part of what makes people remember this as bloodier and gorier than it really is uh, is the bones and the teeth uh, and the uh, the very uh, disgusting Lucio Fulci-esque rotten corpses that have been dug up out of the ground uh, in that opening sequence. Uh, there are things that... But for me, bloody and gory, that's, you know, that's blood and guts, right? That's liquids and squishy parts. Uh, and so there are very extreme things here, and I wonder if that's maybe a part of why people remember it that way. Uh, but yeah, as, as that goes, this is a very bloodless film, but it fucks you up. Michelle, do you remember the first time you ever saw the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? I was a toddler, so no. Oh my God, okay, fair <laughs> enough. Do you remember... Tell me about seeing the the Texas Chainsaw Massacre the first time you remember seeing the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. 
Oh God. See, I was, I was so young when I started watching this that this is one of those things that's just been ingrained in my memory. Yeah. Like there are certain songs that are from when I was very young that I can't tell you the first time. It was just a thing that I knew I liked immediately, um, which is probably something I should dig into with a therapist. If I'm like, (laughs) I like chainsaws. I'm three years old. Um, I would say inappropriate things to children on the playground anyway. uh, So yeah, I, I, I don't have my first memory of this one in particular because it's just it's a thing that I grew up with watching this movie and a lot of the the classic horror films that I, really uh, made a an impact. So I didn't really start getting heavily into horror movies as we've talked about before on the show until like my, my mid-teen years. Like I was like 14, 15 is when I had seen a few things, but that's when I really started to dig into it because that's when I finally had my own TV and VCR and, and was allowed to watch thing that's the only reason i didn't watch a lot of horror movies younger is because we just had one tv and mom and dad didn't want to watch that shit so it's like whatever What's a vcr shut up <laughs> uh so um uh i had started getting into horror movies and this is one that obviously i was aware of but somehow just kept getting getting put off and put off in favor of other films and i finally watched it for the first time by myself uh, in my uh, shitty little basement apartment uh, the summer after my freshman year of college. Uh, so it's like 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm in this sh- shitty little basement apartment, 18 years old, just about to turn 19. Uh, watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and scared the fuck out of me and unnerved the fuck out of me to a level that I never even talked to anyone about it for several years. Like, the the movie, especially as, like, an 18 going on 19 young dude who's just like, oh, fucking, yeah, give me all the intense horror movies. I love that shit. I was fucking shook by this movie uh, at 2 o'clock in the morning that day. Uh, and it's been intense every time ever since. Uh, and uh, probably the second most intense thing, though, and this is going to bring us in to what you wanted to talk about previously was the sound mm-hmm. design, is every time I had seen the movie for the longest time, obviously, was on home video, on VHS or DVD. Uh, and then a few years ago, I finally got a chance to see the movie in a theater, uh, and they played it as part of a Halloween horror movie retrospective at the Fargo Theater here in town. And it's the first time I saw it in the theater, which means it's the first time I didn't have first-hand immediate control of the volume. And I never fully understood how relentless an audio assault this movie is. There is so much fucking screaming in this movie. To a degree that that alone is part of what's intensely unnerving about it. What are some of your thoughts on the sound design in this movie as a, as a horror experience? Yes. So first off, I just have to say, uh, I told you this earlier, but a lot of screaming and I happen to fall asleep during the dinner scene. The part that is the screamiest part of this whole film. And my husband, I was like, it, it would it would mean a lot to me if you would watch the Texas Chainsaw Massacre with me. I know you don't like horror movies. <laughs> so he had already been laughing at the most gruesome parts, which first off, should I be scared if my husband is laughing at people getting butchered? I do have in that question. 
killer in the chain <laughs> in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. He in other movies, this not so much. In this, yeah, you might want to be worried, Michelle. Yeah, this is why I don't watch horror movies with him. So he was like laughing, and I w- I was just getting into the movie, and then he started zoning off. And the husband who does not like horror movies was like, "Hey, wake up! You're missing it." <laughs> I was like, "Oh God!" Although, like, how am I? I in, am so well, soothed right in, now. <laughs> Michelle, in your defense, you have been traumatized by so many movies for so long. I, I once uh, slightly <laughs> dozed off in the middle of a Slayer concert. Uh, so I'm, I'm right there with you. All right. But uh, the things we just get used to. So I thought, I thought people might, uh, in case they know how screamy that scene is yeah. and they're like, how could you doze off during that? I was just, I was in a comfortable horror zone. I was totally yeah. content. I was comfortable. Um, but yeah, so the sound design outside of that, uh, I don't know what you would call that screeching sound. That's like a camera shutter in a way. Yeah. It's a, it's like a, like a Polaroid camera thing, but yeah, it's a weird camera. Uh, uh, some kind of old mechanical camera yes so I have some sounds that automatically spike my anxiety uh, one, one of them, them is tor- yep, uh, tornado sirens for example uh, both because growing up in a small town where tornadoes were definitely a possibility and we had to go through many summers or many tornado uh, down to the basement all summer like that was just a thing that we had to deal with so tornado sirens freak me out uh, the law and order dun dun makes my anxiety <laughs> spike no clue why definitely more than it does in this movie there's something about that sound i hate it makes my anxiety go up and then uh this texas chainsaw massacre polaroid sound is is is, i don't know what it is it just it makes the hair on, on like the back of my neck stand on edge i just feel like i'm in danger when i hear it and it's such a masterful sound yeah it's just perfectly utilized and it freaks me out so badly <laughs> yeah yeah and of course uh from a narrative perspective the the ultimate implication there is that uh you know we're hearing this uh the story about this graveyard that was uh, vandalized and corpses were dug up and then we see what they were what was done with them and the idea ultimately is that the hitchhiker is the one who did that, and that's him taking those pictures of this thing he's done. Uh, but yeah, uh, I even took notes. I started trying to take notes for this, and then I was like, what are you doing? This, if there's one movie you don't need to take notes for, it's this one. Uh, but yes, that, that and from the beginning then, uh, that starts establishing... Uh, that this movie is unnerving in a number of ways. Yeah, it's visually startling and puts ideas in your head that you then have to... I think that's maybe also why a lot of people remember it as bloodier than it really is and more violent than it really is, is because maybe they don't want to admit they did that to themselves. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, the audio there, that's, and that's the start of it. Uh, and the soundtrack, Toby Hooper uh, 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 did the music for this as well, and it's this very like, like ambient noise sort of abstract, uh, like, uh, like almost like like Dario Argento Goblin stuff, but to an even more extreme. Uh, lots of I, I don't know how much of it was done with synthesizers, but it's very chaotic and shrill and harsh. Uh, and then as the movie just builds and builds and builds to this cacophony of shrieking and chainsaws and laughter and it's just a mess and it's rattling like it takes a while to come down off of this movie. Mm-hmm. 
Um, because of this movie, I was trying to think. I have seen a lot of scary movies where it was still a scary movie despite moments of bad acting or bad directing or bad writing. It was it still pushed through and it still was a good horror movie or scared me. I can't think of a single scary movie that has bad sound design. I feel like sound is such a crucial thing to mm-hmm. horror movies that if you have bad sound, it, it's not possible to yeah, come back from that. It's something that doesn't get talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Like sound design in horror movies, is this is a perfect example of that. Uh, I think another perfect example of that uh, is uh, the movie Event Horizon, was the mm-hmm. first movie I ever saw in a movie theater with Dolby 5.1 surround sound, and it made such great use of the surround sound, that effect of like things moving around or popping up behind you. Uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, sound design when it's... And that's the irony of, of good sound design is a lot of times when it's done well, you're not even going to notice it's happening. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, that, this movie is, is so effective... Uh, on that level Uh, I also want to say I'm sorry Star Wars fans this movie has for me the single most effective opening crawl in the in in movie history Uh, the John Larroquette narration of that crawl uh, is uh, is intense Uh, of course the implication there uh, I think is that uh, Sally got away and then eventually because they say it, it led to the unraveling of one of the most bizarre crimes in American history like this is a movie that once like especially the second time you see it there's so much that you catch where it's just like 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 there's that that area with all those old rusted out cars when Kirk and Pam are first getting to the to the the Sawyer house uh, all this different stuff going on uh that is just like like they've been killing people for a long time and then like that brings me to the whole like uh there's that that moment at the beginning when they stop at the gas station and they get the bag of barbecue and then she's like staring at the pit of barbecue when she's running away from leatherface and goes there and clearly just like this this vision of hell but it's like are these are these fuckers feeding people barbecued people meat from their gas station their gas station barbecue i don't know it's oh god damn it it's so uh layered and and uh beautifully horrific i uh it's it's as perfect a horror film as there has ever been Uh, i think there are movies that are its equal but there has never been anything better uh, in, in horror than the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Speaking of, there is one really big element to this movie that could have broken the whole thing but works perfectly, and that's the fact that the main murder weapon is a fucking chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's say theoretically this movie was done the exact same, but Leatherface had a sword, even like a really big scary sword. Like let's think like a like cloud a sword from... Oh, I was thinking like Final <laughs> Fantasy VII Buster oh, Sword, Jesus. like whole okay. body length okay. or pyramid head. Like, let's say gigantic sword. Still not as scary as a fucking chainsaw because the sword, it's going to stab you once and that's going to hurt. But it's going to be quiet while it does it. Yes. And then it's going to, yeah, uh, you know it, if it comes back, it's going to. It's terrifying because it's loud <laughs> it as fuck. It's so loud. It is so loud. And I guess that also is why the sound design works because yeah. the murder weapon itself, you can hear it be, and you. You just Michelle. know it's coming. 
Yes. Michelle. Oh, yes. You've probably walked through a wooded area in, in a in a dark part of the day, right? Mm-hmm. I hate them. Yes. Just, yeah, just imagine... <laughs> Not only does a scary giant man with a skin mask jump out of nowhere in front of you, but he also immediately fires up a fucking chainsaw. Uh, oh I don't need God. to imagine that. I have been to many haunted farms, oh, and that is my least favorite part, getting chased through the fucking cornfield by a man with a chainsaw. I oh, have man. lived that. He may it is my least favorite. I will be startled <laughs> as fuck in that situation, but I like... The other thing that will then happen immediately after I'm done being startled is I'm not fucking running from anybody. I know you can't touch me. So oh, I run. <laughs> I don't trust human beings. It's not so much like you That's say, fair. I know you can't touch me. I go, this could be a bad person. Did they do a background <laughs> check? Is the chain actually off the chainsaw? Well, you make I a don't good point. trust you. You make a good point. McKamey Manor is a real thing that still exists. So you know. Plus, I have been the person doing scares at all haunted house i know you can just be found on the street and brought in because a friend of a friend asked me to do that exact same thing and if they had given me a chainsaw would i have been able to guarantee i did not kill a person with it no, no. i am not worthy of wielding a chainsaw and running through a cornfield so uh, no i do not trust people i will run because true. i do not trust you <laughs> something else i wanted to talk about uh with this movie that was really driven home uh when i came back to it again and watched it a couple of times you're getting ready for this episode uh, I think especially uh, because of some movies that have been much much talked about from earlier this year uh, in particular uh, Skinamarink uh, and The Outwaters uh, which have been very much lauded as being these just like like almost like like non-narrative just like pure atmosphere uh, sound and visual chaos uh, kind of movies um, and I think the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a perfect example of how you can do that sort of thing and still blend it in within a narrative context. There are so many moments in this movie uh, that are just, a, they're, they're just atmosphere. I mean, first of all, that opening sequence with the camera noises and the occasional flashes of body parts that then bleeds in on the, the, the corpse sculpture with the radio story underneath it. The first five minutes of this movie is nothing but atmosphere and, and just getting your nerves just frayed enough to go on this journey. Uh, even the scene where, uh, where Pam stumbles into the room uh, with all the bone furniture and the feathers on the floor, that becomes this just montage haphazard sequence of various angles and shots on what's going on here. Even a lot of the, the camera work just in general is very voyeuristic. Uh, like they, they shoot like through a lot of things, like through a fence and through the grass and through the weeds at the people in the distance to create the, it's it's such an incredible application of just pure what the fuck atmosphere at times. Uh, and I think, uh, I mean, obviously I've never uh, gone to a, a farmhouse to see if they have some gas we can borrow and been sledgehammered in the head. Uh, but this, this movie has that thing where it just feels so fucking real. 
like, and I think that was kind of a, a, a new thing in horror around this time that was happening is horror movies, again, were becoming more real. And that, to me, is also part of what really terrifies me is, you know, ghost movies and stuff like that. Even as a younger person, there was always this thing in the back of my head, which was like, yeah, but I don't believe ghosts are real anyway. So, I mean, it's only scary so far. Uh, but this, like... <laughs> As as it turns out, as we know, not only is this something that could happen, this is something that did happen. Like, this is based on a real person who murdered people and skinned their corpses and wore it as clothing. Ed Gein had a belt made out of harvested human nipples, for Christ's sake. This is a thing that could happen, and it's fucking terrifying. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I was going to say right when you were talking about Ed Gein, which we know that that is what Leatherface is based on. Right. I started wondering how I would feel if this movie was exactly the same. But now Leatherface had a nipple belt as well. <laughs> how I would feel about that. Does he need some accessories of some sort? Did we need more skin lampshades? Hmm. Mm. And now I'm just thinking of an alternate universe where it's the exact same movie, but also nipple belt just yeah. just to be fashionable you know mm -hmm. i feel like he needs it <laughs> oh one thing i did want to point out that i don't know why it never registered to me just as you know getting to some some little random uh, uh uh remaining thoughts uh in the opening scene uh when uh the van pulls up because obviously you know they've they're coming out to the graveyard because this graveyard is where the graves have been vandalized and they want to see if grandpa's grave is one that was vandalized uh, but that truck full of weird, drunken local hillbillies that they meet at the cemetery, there's that one guy. I don't know why it hit me this. He reminds me so goddamn much of, like, Norm MacDonald doing just an over-the-top character. Like, oh, your dad is in there. Your grandpa's in there, huh? <laughs> you just go right on up there, lady. It's such an I totally. I just watched a, a Norm Macdonald yeah. stand up, and I also thought, "Is that I Norm like, Macdonald?" Wait, how have I never I noticed Norm Macdonald was in this movie? <laughs> and the, I had uh, a second. I had the exact same thing. I'm like, oh, "Is that Norm Macdonald?" So great, uh, but uh, uh, yeah, so many. Oh. Uh, you know, also shout out to to Marilyn Burns. Uh, I think one of the the most important things that ultimately we do have to acknowledge about this movie is that lady was a trooper. Uh, from a story perspective, this is also one of the most nihilistic horror movies uh, of all time. Yeah, uh, Sally gets away, but does she really? Like you didn't. I mean, I, I think a lot of us might think. Well, maybe maybe she got the worst of it, to be totally honest. I mean, she watched a dude wearing somebody else's face chainsaw her brother to death right in front of her. Uh, she's she's in pretty rough shape. Uh, but, uh, um, fuck, where was I going, Michelle? I had a thought that I was going to get to, and then I completely lost well, it. Well, I have that a happens. thought that can fill the gap in the meantime. Go ahead. Um. <laughs> because like I said, I watched this with my husband. I was, I knew that he wasn't going to get super into the movie. So I was just being the insufferable person being like in this scene, he really beat the shit out of her with a broom. Yes. And in this scene, they're spitting yes. blood at everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was telling yeah. him all and the she things. She was a trooper, man. Like when, uh, when Jim Seattle, with in a that, broom. yeah, in that scene, like he talks about it. He's like, 
He's like, I mean, obviously I don't want to hit her because I don't want to hurt her because this is a real broomstick. Toby Hooper keeps coming up to me like, dude, it looks fake. You got to hit her harder. And he's like, what are you talking about? Uh, And eventually Marilyn Burns is just like, dude, it's fine. I know why we're here. We're making a movie. Just hit me with the fucking broom. Like, what are you not? Like, like they, I don't know that you could ever make this movie today like because i mean they first of all they broke all like you would have to be all unioned up and there's all sorts of just regulations about how long you shoot on the set and safety things that they but anyway like they more you watch a family portrait the documentary they more or less just fucking tortured marilyn burns for two weeks and filmed it Uh, and she (laughs) and you catch interview bits with her and she doesn't seem to be uh, anything but but happy that she was a part of the the thing and glad that it's part of her life. But God damn it, they just tortured that poor lady for two weeks. I would uh, the the way they described the stench by the time that dinner scene was done, like I can't imagine how revolting that was. They just that poor woman. <laughs> what a trooper! Good lord. Uh, I have a question for you because uh-huh. you had told me that you think you know everything about this movie that can possibly be said pretty much, which obviously if somebody challenged you, I know that you don't want to be challenged on that. But <laughs> do you have a thing that you think is fascinating about this movie that we have not discussed and you don't think people really know as common knowledge? Um, I don't know that it's it was anything intentional, but it's something that always pops up in my head is how much uh, these this group of, of five teenagers reminds me of the Scooby Doo gang. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, you know, they got their their green little mystery machine van and they're going off into a, into a new place. And uh, 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 Sally is uh, is Daphne, uh, and uh, and Jerry is Fred, uh, and Kirk is Shaggy but a little cooler. Uh, and then uh, uh, Pam is Velma, but she's into astrology instead of astronomy, right? She's not the science type, but she's the, the that. And then and then Franklin is Scooby. <laughs> Just because somebody had to be Scooby and Franklin didn't fit anybody else. Well, uh, not entirely. Also, because I mean, at the end of the day, he does a lot of howling like a dog. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's no, I, true. That's true. But uh, no, when no, he's uh, upset talking to himself, that no, that's very uh, Scooby. The yeah. the real answer, of course, being no, I I don't think so. Uh, I I think this is a movie uh, that has been very well discussed uh, and very well analyzed. Uh, 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 another just casual observation, I guess, is uh, 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 I'm also blown away by how green Marilyn Burns's eyes are. They have that whole sequence where they zoom in closer and closer. Uh, on her eyes during the the the, and I was like, man, is that, she wearing some sort of weird contact lens? I don't think those are real. I don't know what they did there, but uh, no, I I think the movie has been very well uh, analyzed and 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 a lot of the important things dealt with. Uh, like I said, I just I I find it very incredible, especially considering how many horror movies I have seen and how many times I have seen this movie this movie is still able to make me unnerved for 83 minutes. Uh, Also, not only is it only 83 minutes long, but it's an 83 minutes that fucking clips. You won't even realize that you've you've spent 83. It goes by so fast. 
because it's so good at just drawing you in and you're fucking caught up in the nightmare yourself. Um, I love how disorienting it is about uh, uh, making you not understand uh, night versus day because the interior of the house is just so shuttered up and dark. Uh, maybe one of my favorite shots, they, they, a lot of people often talk about that sort of long tracking shot where Pam gets up off the swing to walk into the house after Kirk's been killed uh, and the camera follows behind her under the swing and is sort of, uh, you know, just following her. Uh, I really like uh, shortly after that, uh, Kim uh, Pam has fallen into the, the crazy bone room and had her whole scene. Then she gets up and starts screaming, and she and then here's she goes into the hell room, and there's Leatherface. Uh, the shot where she runs out of this deep, dark house out onto the porch. We see the porch, and the front door flies open. She flies out into the sunlight. Leatherface comes out into the sunlight right behind, just in time to grab her uh, and drag her back into the house. We go from this very dark shot from inside the house to this garish, glaring, bright light, and we see the monster fully revealed for the first time, and then we immediately get sucked back into the dark and the dread. I love that sequence so much. It's so well done. I, I love it. I agree. The terror that she portrays throughout that entire part is just like unbelievably good. Yeah. Um, but it was slightly ruined because when she ran out and Leatherface grabbed her and she started flailing, John started laughing hysterically. So again, <laughs> do I need to be worried? Should yes. I be worried? Yes, you should okay. be worried. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. He thought it was funny the way that she flailed and I was like, hmm, I am concerned. Yeah. Um, my only complaint about this whole movie is that they spelled chainsaw with two words instead of one. But aside from that, it's pretty perfect. I, uh, I don't, uh, wh- why does that bother you? Is uh, chainsaw can be two words? I hate it though. Why? That's why. I just I don't like it. It should be a compound word. So I've I have a problem with it. Well, okay. It's not very commonly used as two words, and I hate it. Well, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. So yeah, guys, uh, Obviously, you know the movie's been been talked to death. Uh, we just wanted to take some time to to talk about our perspectives on it and share some personal stories about our experience with the movie. Uh, who is your favorite uh, of the Sawyer family, uh, Michelle? Uh, who do you who do you like the most? Uh, the cook, the hitchhiker, Leatherface, Grandpa, maybe Grandma. She's up there. I mean, she's not alive anymore, <laughs> but she's up there. Um, well, I think I have to go with Leatherface. I just uh, is there a different answer? Do you have a different answer than of Leatherface? <laughs> of okay, not. okay. I just I was like, he's the one that actually doesn't seem entirely evil either. He seems misled oh he's very he's very much a product of his environment yes <laughs> exactly so that's why to me he feels very human he doesn't know what he's doing he's being told to do this and, yeah. and he's a very sad character uh mentioning grandpa i just have to say imagine you make this iconic horror movie where everybody gets widely recognized and you play grandpa and now you're a bartender because that's what happened to that guy and it feels so <laughs> bad for him that he was a big part well, of this movie, at least to some yeah, extent. Not <laughs> Honestly, not many people from this movie at all went on to do much of anything else. I think Marilyn Burns did a couple of things. Gunnar Hansen probably did the most, or maybe Jim Seedow. 
uh, maybe, because he was already an established a character actor before coming into this movie. Uh, but no, most of these people never really did anything else significant at all uh, after this one. It's uh, it's such an interesting moment uh, in horror history. It's a it's a landmark film, uh, just one of the most incredible examples of what is possible uh, when you uh, you just apply a little creativity and uh, and and let other people's brain you you push them. You push them in the right direction just a little bit and they will take it from there. It's such a great film. I don't know. I would be pretty upset if I couldn't even point myself out in an iconic horror movie <laughs> without people being like, is that you? I mean, I don't see any indications you behind all that prosthetic. You're like, <laughs> well, yeah. How are you ever going to gonna prove it? On. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, everybody probably claimed to be grandpa. <laughs> I just feel really sorry for that guy because everybody else is at least recognizable. And at some point, like if they went to a, a horror convention, people would know who they are for the most part, even Gunnar Hansen, because at this point, you know, well, everybody know. has uh, the internet. Like, but, so like oh. uh, Ari Lehman was the uh, the original uh, Jason Voorhees from Friday the 13th Part 1. Uh, and was behind all that uh, that deformity uh, uh, face makeup and everything when he comes up out of the lake at the end there, uh, and people know that he's the first Jason, right? Like he's uh, he's made uh, a pretty decent career of of uh, visiting conventions and meeting fans and hosting parties and and that sort of thing. Uh, so I don't know, maybe people would be totally accepting of it, even though you can't really prove it. I don't know. Listen, I know you're being logical, but let me just feel bad for the man who plays Grandpa. <laughs> Fair I feel enough. like he got dealt a bad hand and somebody needs to acknowledge it. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Michelle, do you have anything else that you would like to say about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, one of the greatest horror films of all time? Uh, if you've made it this far and you like horror movies... And you haven't seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre. What the fuck are you doing? Go watch it. 1974. Yeah, go watch it. Don't watch the 2022 version on no. Netflix. You're going to be confused. None of the stuff we talked about is in that movie. And, you know, go watch the 1974 one that's streaming on Shutter for sure. And then I think Peacock and Prime or something. Yeah, you can watch right it with ads on uh, on Amazon Freebie. Uh, there's a couple of places. But mm -hmm. uh, you just watch it on Shutter, guys. It's right there. Nice. Uh, it. I don't think it's the full 4K restoration on Shutter. I think it's the one they did uh, for uh, the the 40th anniversary, uh, or maybe the 30th anniversary. I don't know. Uh, but uh, I did want to say uh, I did finally watch this movie in the 4K restoration. I don't like it. It's too good. Yeah. It's not like I miss the gritty. Right. Like they shot this movie on grainy 16 millimeter film uh, and the 4k it smooths things out just way too much I, uh, I understand the motivation and I appreciate what they were trying to do there but I, I recommend not seeing the, in fact what I really recommend is if you go to a pawn shop uh, and find a cheap ass VCR and a VHS copy of Texas Chainsaw Massacre that's how you should watch it What's a VCR? Shut again? up, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. On uh, that note, I think we have covered pretty yeah. much everything. Such a great that film. We I'm have to say about it. So glad we got a chance to talk about it and our love of it. 
Uh, I who knows how many more times I'll see the movie. I don't even know for sure how many times. At the very least, a dozen, maybe as many as twenty times. I've seen this movie, and I'll probably see it that many more before my time's up. It's so great. You know what's a goddamn crime? What's that? I have seen this movie less than I have seen Rat Race. <laughs> Say goodnight, Michelle. <laughs> Wait, you don't want to do our socials or anything? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> go so ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I used to really love Rat Race. Anyway, um, so we are We Watch Shutter on all the socials. Life we is are nothing. On. Life is nothing. <laughs> Life is nothing but a slap in the face. Yeah. I. Anyway, yeah, go great ahead. Yeah, movie. Go Sean ahead. Please. Um, okay, so <laughs> we are, I almost said we are Rat Race. We are at We Watch Shutter on it's Facebook, It's just a Instagram, remake of It's a Mad, Twitter. Mad, Mad, Mad World, Michelle, <laughs> and I'd already seen that movie. Why would I care? Um, <laughs> You're tofu, and you are not absorbing the really chill Rat Race energy that I have going on at the outro of this episode. Cuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> You are defiant tofu right now. <laughs> John Lovitz, should I just keep m- mentioning people from the cast? I've seen Rat Race hundreds of times. That's why I brought it up. <laughs> it used to be my movie to just play in the background because the DVD menu would autoplay after looping a couple times. So I could just have it on 24-7 and it would just be good background noise because I used to have a major problem with silence. As you can tell from me talking on this show that guys, we do every week. Guys, you can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok <sighs> at We Watch Shutter. Our website is wewatchshutter.com. Our email address is mail at wewatchshutter.com. Uh, drop us a message. Talk to us. Tell us what you think of the show. Uh, we appreciate you letting us know how things, uh, how you think of uh, of the show. Uh, tell us what you thought Thanks of the Texas you, Chainsaw uh, Massacre. What are you doing now, Michelle? Are you still I'm just naming people from the movie? <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else then we need to talk about? No, I think we're good. Okay, good. Then say goodnight, Michelle. (laughs) Goodnight, Michelle. (laughs) Look what your brother did to the door!